0: Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a backyard staycation, Macy's has what you need. I'm going to throw out some brands for you here.
1: Nina Parker, Vince Camuto, Dolce Vita, Levi's, Lacoste,
0: I could go on. Shop summer's must-haves, summer dresses, match sets. I love a match set. Love a match set. Yeah, I know. Volume sleeve tops. What? Give it some volume. Espadrilles, wedges, straw, crafted bags, and so much more. Shop at macy's.com slash Style. If you love tequila cocktails, then check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a -a one-of-a-kind tequila that is
1: infused with the juice of real fruit. So it's smooth, it's not sweet, it smells fresh and bright, and it tastes incredible.
0: 21 Seeds makes the most delicious and easy margaritas and cocktails so you can focus on the fun, like game night with your besties. With 21 Seeds, you only need two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds, Diageo, New York, New York.
1: I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you.
0: Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind the scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies.
1: We were just rocking out to our own intro. We were actually dancing (laughs) and miming the words. Hello, everyone. Today we are going to be talking about The Fight. The Fight. Season two, episode six, written by Gene Stupnitsky and Lee Eisenberg, known to us as Gene and Lee. They're a duo, they're
0: funny fellas.
1: This episode was directed by Ken Quapis. We love Ken Quapis. We love Ken Quapis. Uh, I don't even know if it's possible for people to understand our love of Ken Kwapis.
0: I don't know, guys. There are some
1: directors that just are in our hearts. Ken Quapis, Paul Paul Feig, Feig. Charles McDougal. Charles
0: McDougal. For yelling action at us. a different way, though. Like, Ken Kwapis is like a cozy blanket. Paul Feig, you want to hang out with all day. And drink martinis. Mm -hmm. Charles McDougal, you kind of want to get drunk in a pub with (laughs) and yell at people. (laughs)
1: It's so true. We'll talk about Charles McDougal when we get to him. We haven't really had a chance to talk about mm-hmm. him, but that was a little preview. Mm-hmm. We have a special treat today. Our summary of this episode is going to be read by a fan. Dun, dun, dun. So here we go. Alexis is describing the fight. Dwight becomes assistant to the sensei at his dojo and spends the day bragging and telling everyone how tough he is. Michael has a lot of papers to sign, Jim and Pam use the opportunity to trick Michael by saying they think Dwight is stronger than Michael is, so Michael agrees to duel Dwight at the dojo to prove his manliness and procrastinate doing his work. I thought that was very good. That was really good. I feel like she covered it. She was very concise. I feel like maybe she wrote it down and read it, which is what I would do. So, Alexis,
0: Alexis I'm with made, you. you've made a friend.
1: <laughs> That's right. All right, let's get into the fast facts for the fight. Fast fact number one, this is the first episode from our new writing team of Gene and Lee. I emailed with Lee Eisenberg. Okay, okay. okay, And he told me that before getting hired on the office, Jean was a part-time nanny, ah! and Lee was an assistant to a director. This was their first staff writing job. They were over the moon, and they were particularly excited about the free lunches.
0: And I can really relate to that. Because I can too. When I interned on Conan O'Brien, I got free food and I was so excited. Every time I got a job. As an actor, when I was a struggling
1: actor, I got excited about the free meals. The free food at work. It's it, a big deal. I kind of still get excited about it, I have to be honest. The I mean, snack
0: tables. I hate to break it to everyone at Earwolf, but I, I hit up that fruit bowl hard every morning when we come here. Yeah. I'm like apple,
1: banana. Earwolf has a basket of chips that's really
0: good, too. Yeah.
1: When I worked in offices in, in real life, I used to get really excited to go in the break room and, like, someone would
0: bring in some Danish or some muffins or cookies? I don't know. But if you were anything like me, I would eat ramen noodles because you could buy nine for a dollar.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You know, ramen noodles are really a great meal for like family meals with kids. You can spruce it up. You can saute some brown chicken and and put a bunch of veggies in with the noodles. Mm
0: -hmm. You can also not cook them at all and crunch them up and put them in a salad instead of a crouton. This has turned into a different show. (laughs) Okay. That's like a, you can make a Chinese chicken salad and you can use ramen noodles as your crunchies. Wow. There you go. Some more information
1: from Lee about this being his first episode. He said they were terrified because remember we talked about how they break down the episodes as a group and then writers get assigned to write the episode. He said that since their episode was episode six, they had very little in their outline. He said they had fleshed out the other episodes much more than this one. And he thought that they were being set up to fail. they were being tested. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because he was like, how do you give the staff writers with the least amount of experience the least worked on outline? Yes, exactly. He said after they turned in their script and they had to get their notes on their script, Greg had pneumonia and they had to go to Greg's house in order to get their notes. And he said the thing that really stood out to him was that he explained the idea of the Jim Pam subtext to Jean and Lee. They had written a really on-the-nose Jim Pam scene, and Greg said, sometimes just a look is enough. And he said it kind of blew their minds and that Greg completely brought mm-hmm. that idea to them and and in in the episode something i remember is when Pam is reading Jim's mm-hmm. palm that was a big deal it was how there was always this discussion how can Jim and Pam physically touch without it
0: being inappropriate right well lady i think that was very intimate i even looked up online about hand touching and it is considered physical intimacy that was some major flirting. That's a note card I have for later. All right. Should we move on
1: to fast fact number two? Let's do it. All right. Fast fact number two, Sensei Ira was
0: played by Lance Crawl. Is it Sensei or Sensei? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's- Sensei Ira was played by Lance Crawl, who's a friend of mine. And I have five note cards on him because he and I talked on the phone yesterday. Oh, you know
1: that I was very starstruck by him.
0: Oh, when he was on our episode. I know. He even said, I think Jenna watched a lot of Joe Schmo.
1: Yes. That cracks me up that he said that (laughs) because I did corner him at lunch one day Uh and I made him tell me everything about the Joe Schmo show. If you guys have not seen this, please go look it up. The Joe Schmo show was a fake reality show contest where everybody on the show were actors except for one person.
0: The Joe Schmo guy was a real person, and everyone around him was acting like they were in a reality show.
1: Yes, and they were locked in this house, and they had to do competitions and vote each other off at the end. By the way, Kristen Wiig is on that show with Lance.
0: A lot of great comedians and improvisers that I knew were on that show. I auditioned for
1: that. It was cast by Allison Jones, and I was devastated when I did not get it. Because I thought, what an amazing acting experience to, like, live in a house, and have to play this character 24-7. And by the way, the show is brilliant. So yes, I am starstruck by Lance. I can't believe you know him. I can't believe I didn't know that you know him.
0: So I emailed him yesterday, and I was like, Lance, we're going to be talking about the fight. Where are you? Can you hop on the phone? And he was like, I'm actually in Atlanta. He has moved to Atlanta, and he set up his own production company. Because he's really talented. He's an actor, comedian, writer. Yeah. And he has a production company in Atlanta called... Picture It Productions. How about that? You can check it out at pictureitproductions.com. All right, Lance. So we met so long ago. And I said, Lance, did we meet doing improv? I can't remember exactly how we met. And he remembered exactly. And it made me laugh so hard. What? Okay. So he was friends. We had mutual friends. And I went into an editing bay where a friend of ours worked. And they were helping me with my acting reel. Okay. And I said, Lance, was this before the office? He said, No, Angela. It was like after the pilot, but you really didn't think the show was gonna go. <laughs> so you were trying to put some of your office like scene with Kevin and accounting in your reel. Should we say what a reel is? Yes, yes. Well, so just for people who don't
1: know, like, you know, actors have a headshot and on the back is their resume and you give that at auditions, but you also would send a link to clips of various performances you had been on. And that's your acting reel. It helps you get jobs. So, Angela, you were... Putting together your acting reel Right. With and this some clips from with the some office. clips.
0: And this really <laughs> dates me and our show because it was all on VHS. Oh my gosh. And there was a guy actually editing. Yes. And I had it. brought in like a box of all of my footage and they were putting together a montage of my scenes. And Lance said, Angela, it was so cute and charming. Cause you turned to me and you said, Hey, will you watch this? Will you what do you think of my reel? And he said, and it was every second you've ever been on screen. <laughs> he said it was so long. And also in some of it, you didn't even have dialogue. You just walked by. Or, or that like, is hilarious. There was like a commercial like I did for Chrysler where I walked by and I just went, and I like did thumbs up at someone. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, Lance, it's so embarrassing. But that's the first time we met. So it was after the pilot when I thought the office wasn't going to go. And I was trying to figure out how to get more work. That's
1: very funny that then he ends up being on the show.
0: I know. And then he told me, he said, Ange, did you know I tested for the role of Jim? He tested for Jim. What? So I must have done scenes with him. He said you weren't in his group on his test day. Okay. He had a different group, and Bob Odenkirk was in his group for Michael Scott. Oh, yes.
1: That's right. I was in the Steve Carell test group. Well, you know something that's funny about Bob Odenkirk since you brought him up? I knew Bob Odenkirk when I was auditioning for The Office, and we were both called. I was called to do Pam, and he was called to do Michael. So we got together, and we practiced together. Aw. But then I wasn't in his test group. Oh. And I had thought, darn it. We worked a bunch of bits together. We were so excited to show them off. But he did this very funny audition where he brought in his guitar and he sang a song to Pam. And we had worked it all out. We were going to ask if we could do it if we were paired together. But we never were.
0: So Lance told me this great story that the day that he was screen testing, you know, he's in the lobby waiting. They were all kind of giddy that Bob Odenkirk was in their group. They were all really big fans of Bob's. And Bob walked over to Lance and was like, hey, you want to run lines with me? And Lance was like, Uh, Sure. And he said it was really cool. And they like sort of went out in this lobby and ran lines like three or four times, like the scenes all the way through. He just thought it was a really cool moment. So Lance said when he read for Jim, he was like, you know, I really felt like I just tried too hard. And he said then when he got called back when we were once the show was up and going for the fight, he read that it was like a martial arts guy. And he goes, oh, my gosh. Lance's background is actually martial arts. He was in the martial arts community for 15 years. He has a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. He was the sixth in the nation in his like weight category in 1992 He trained junior Olympic gold medalists. Like, he was... Did they know this about him? I mean, I... I think they didn't. I don't know. But he said when he saw who the character was, he was like, oh, my gosh. He said, I am not going to try to go for the joke at all. I'm just going to go in as if I'm, like, working with one of my students and teaching a class. And that's what he did. He put no pizzazz on it. He went in and played it really straight. And they loved it.
1: They always loved that. Mm -hmm. Those are the people they always cast were the people who played it real. This leads me to my... Third fast fact, Angela. I okay. know you might have more to say about no, Lance. No, no, no. Go, go. But this is a fan question Is anyone on the cast trained in martial arts? That's from Will. So, yes, Lance and also Rain Wilson studied karate his sophomore year in college and is a yellow belt. I didn't know that. Yes. And I asked Rain if the writers knew that. And he said no. Isn't that what a weird coincidence that they wrote this whole karate-themed episode and Rain is a yellow belt and Lance was a black belt.
0: Yes, that is so wild. Okay. Do you have more Lance stuff? Um, Because I interrupted
1: your Lance cards with
0: my fast fact. He actually had a really funny thing that made me laugh. He said that when when they got to the actual fight and the choreography of the fight, he said he was so surprised because there was no choreography. There was no <laughs> stunt guy. He said, literally, it was like, okay, guys, just two idiots try to hit each other.
1: This was very early on. We did not have a budget.
0: That's what I told for him. These kinds of I things. told him, I said, Lance, this does not surprise me because they put Phil Shea, our prop guy in a box for hours. Yeah, There was no like <laughs> stunt person.
1: In the early years of the office, I always felt like it was a show we were making in our garage for mm-hmm. our
0: neighborhood. I always felt like it was a one-act play we were doing, like, in someone's garage.
1: As a kid, I used to do that. I used to put on plays in my garage, and the garage door was the curtain. Yeah. And so, and I would, like, put chairs out on my driveway for the neighborhood kids to come see my show. It was like a puppet show or a variety show. That's what The Office always felt like to me, just like a bunch of us making a show in our garage.
0: Yeah. So this won't be the last time you see Sensei Ira. He does come back in season nine in the episode Junior Salesman. He does? Yes.
1: What does he do in that episode?
0: He was actually there to interview for a job. Oh, I remember
1: that. Oh, Dwight brings in a bunch of his old friends and weirdos to interview. And like family
0: members. Yes. Lance emailed me a great behind-the-scenes photo of him and the other people interviewing for jobs in the conference room. And he has his karate um, outfit on over a business suit so his tie is like poking out it's like so odd um but yeah he was on season one and then on season nine so he sort of had this great perspective of being on the bookends of the show
1: what a very very cool thing
0: yeah thank you so much lance for taking time out of your schedule in atlanta to chat me up and um we're gonna call you again come junior salesman
1: yeah i love it all right let's take a break and we'll be back to uh break down the fight that we use Squarespace for our Office Ladies website. And it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people. <laughs> and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash office ladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up. Did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe home Security today. Simply Safe was named best Home Security System in 2024 by the US
0: News and World Report, and Newsweek
1: ranked it best customer service in home
0: Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space, you know? I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/officeladies. That's simplysafe.com/officeladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
1: We are back. Hello. This episode begins with a prank. Jim pranks Dwight by putting his desk in the bathroom.
0: Oh, poor Dwight. This was a good one. This was a good prank.
1: I like this one. You have to look for Kevin in the background at the end when he leaves one of the stalls. Mm -hmm. He has a lit candle and a newspaper. And for all of you office geeks, this was the moment that led to Kevin's line in Office Olympics about the bathroom candle smelling like cookies.
0: Also, remember that in the Dundies, he did win the Don't Go In There After Me Award. Yes, and I think we see why. <laughs> also, though, guys, who is lighting candles inside the stall? <laughs> like, like he doesn't come out and light the candle. He exits the stall With holding the candle. a candle, a yes. lit candle.
1: Yes, and that candle really did smell like cookies. I want to say that. Did you notice that there is another door by the urinal? Mm-hmm. Angela, where does it go?
0: We don't know. I like to think what maybe— What is that door?
1: Is it a utility I closet? Think that's what
0: I think. I think there's like a mop in there or yeah. something. That's my guess.
1: Yeah. Those bathrooms did not work. Nope. It was very deceiving. We would have people come visit us on the set, like guests, family members, and they would go in there— thinking that they were real bathrooms, and they weren't. No. In the next scene, Dwight calls his sensei. Jim asks if he's talking to his mother. I love that. <laughs> I think John is really good in that scene. And then there is his whole talking head about being a sensei, a assistant to the sensei. What is it?
0: So, yeah, Dwight says he's the senpai, which is basically like the assistant to the sensei. Yeah, although not assistant sensei. Right. And the, But also, actually, it's not him. It's like the girl, remember? Because later in the episode, Sensei Ira is like, there's my senpai. So we learn that it's actually not Dwight.
1: Oh my gosh, I missed that.
0: Yeah, the girl that walks through the scene is actually the senpai. Oh, I totally missed that.
1: All right, so next we have Pam's talking head. And this is when we find out that today is the day that Michael has to sign Time cards, purchase order approvals, and expense reports that they're all due at the end of the day, and this happens a couple times a year, and he always procrastinates wildly on these days. As a former secretary, I really relate to the dynamic between Pam and Michael in this episode, because during one of my early secretarial jobs, I had a boss that would take so long to do his end-of-the-month report that I would have to drive to the airport Because the FedEx at the airport had the latest drop time. I'm saying LAX airport, which anyone who lives in Los Angeles, if I drive to LAX now, it's about a two-hour drive. So I would have to drive to the airport for like the 7 p.m. It might have even been 9 p.m. FedEx drop. Also, there's
0: nowhere to park. Nowhere to park. And people are blowing whistles at you. Yes. Like, move out of the way. It's like chaos. I do love that Pam calls it the perfect storm. I do too. Also, though, Michael isn't having even to do any work. It's not like he's having to put together a report. All he has to do is sign them. It's no, that's so basic. right. It's just his signature. It could take him like 20 minutes. Yeah. And he'd be done. This is how this is
1: why I would get so mad at my boss who couldn't manage to get his report done because I would think to myself, it's not new information. It's a boilerplate report that you have to do every month. It wasn't a special project that sneaked up on us. Yeah. Time management, dude. You can see I'm still...
0: You're still I'm annoyed. a so little angry about it. Well, if I had to drive to the airport to mail something, I'd be ticked off for a long time.
1: All right. So next up, in Michael's attempt to procrastinate, he tells Ryan to update the emergency contacts. So I enter that scene where mm-hmm. Michael is telling Ryan to do the emergency contact list I was so concentrated on not laughing at Steve, who was being so funny in that scene. It, it took everything I had that when BJ would look at me and say the line, updating emergency contacts, mm-hmm. I lost it. I started, it became, you know, in the scenes where you can't stop laughing and you mm-hmm. have a trigger. Yeah. It was BJ turning to me and very sadly <laughs> saying, <laughs> updating emergency contacts. <laughs> I think I only got through one scene. And I did it by not looking at BJ in the eye. Like I stared at his forehead.
0: I spent nine years looking at Steve Carell's forehead because if I made eye contact with Steve, I used to say he would just like suck out your soul if you made eye contact with him through comedy. I could not lock eyes with him or I would start laughing. So I would. I would look at his forehead. Every conference room scene? I would have to do that or look at someone's ear. Yes. Or their eyebrows. Yeah, their neck. Yeah, just (laughs) not in the eyes. Not in the eyes. Well, I thought that was a major Pam Sass moment. I think you have two really good Pam Sass moments in this episode. And one of them is where you just walk out while he's talking. And he's (laughs) like, "Ah, she just left it. I wasn't (gasps) finished talking.
1: I was really channeling my real life experience working for that crazy guy. Michael gets Ryan's phone number in this episode. Oh, He's man. He's so delighted. He keeps calling him and doing voices. And Angela, flip phone.
0: Flip phone. Outdated phone is very featured in this episode, as is my favorite thing is when Steve as Michael Scott cracks himself up. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> things. Yes. We talked about this a little bit in the opening. Pam reading Jim's palm. Yeah, um, I have. That's a note card I'm going to reach for. Six minutes, 11 seconds, you guys. Major Pam and Jim flirt happening. So touching someone's hand is actually like that, like how you were tracing his hand. Yeah. Is a sign of physical intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So that was like, I was like, what is happening? Did you notice
1: on my computer...
0: Yeah, I saw it. I saw that's like your decoy, though. That's your way in. Listen, these are two people who shouldn't be flirting, but so desperately want to be flirting. So they have to find ways around it. So listen out there. If you see someone at work who's like trying to read your palm. (laughs)
1: Oh, they might have a crush on you. (laughs) They might
0: have a crush on you.
1: But I thought it was really cool that. The set deck people put the palm reading website on my computer.
0: Well, they had to justify why Pam was doing it. Yeah. So here she is, bored at front reception. She says, Jim, let me read your palm. Flirty flirt. Sneaky flirt. I know.
1: I see a note card that
0: you have that is my next topic. Do Do you you want to say it? Well, wait. Do you like that this note card only has one word? Yeah. What's that word, Jenna? Stacy. (laughs) Stacy. Six minutes, 17 seconds. Oh, my gosh, Brian, you would crack me up every time you said, Stacy.
1: It's only one word, but it goes through like four octaves. And we used to, that was like, we would, that was a bit on we the side. We would set. tease him. We'd we be would. like,
0: Stacy <laughs> At 6 minutes 49 seconds, there's this whole scene with Jim and Dwight where they're talking and Jim is talking to Dwight about humans versus robots. Yeah. All right. In the background, Phyllis is at her desk. Stanley is not.
1: Where's Stanley?
0: Where is Stanley? Stanley never leaves his desk. He was never missing. Never missing. Ever. He's actually one of the characters that is probably the most featured at his desk.
1: We used to joke about this. We would say, why do we all have to be at our desks in the background of all the scenes? Do none of us ever go to the bathroom? Yeah. Do we never leave to go downstairs? Anything. For a reason? Yeah. None of us left our desks, but... In particular, Stanley was always at his desk. He had to sit in the background of everyone's talking heads.
0: He was always at his desk. But then you you see as they pull back the camera that Stanley's at the file cabinet. Oh. But he never filed anything. The, to me, that was crazy. That's how I knew it was early on in the show. Because after that, I think Leslie was probably like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not filing. <laughs> I'm
1: sitting down. I'm sitting
0: down. At 7 minutes 40 seconds, Jenna, it's one of my favorite Pam Sass moments. What is it? Okay, so Michael has a piece of paper and he's just like practicing his signature. Oh, yeah. And Pam taps on the glass and goes, you could practice on the forms. (laughs) I mean, that is some really good Pam sass.
1: Pam is, it's such a great relationship between Pam and Michael because she is his subordinate, Mm -hmm. yet also his parent. Yes. In many ways. Oh, yeah. She has to corral him, kind of like a sheepdog might corral the sheep.
0: (laughs) Okay, at eight minutes 28 seconds. Oh, man. This made me laugh so hard. We learned that Toby's emergency contact is still his ex-wife, even though her new last name is now Becker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he says, please don't put X. Yeah, you
0: don't need to put X. X. You don't need to put X. Okay, I have a screen grab I'm going to show you. I took it with my phone. Oh. At 9 minutes, 42 seconds, Jim. when Jim is saying... You know, a ton of 14-year-old girls to Michael. There is a brown object in the top left corner. At first, I thought, oh, it's a boom. And I froze the you know I froze uh-huh. the frame. I don't know if it's a boom or like an elbow. I don't know what it is. I'm going to show you a picture of All it. All right. She's getting out her phone, folks. OK. All right. Tell me what the heck this is. And guys, I want you to look at it because it is what? We'll
1: put this on officeladies.com.
0: Oh, OK. Now I and then I zoomed in. Do you see it? Yeah. Now look at it close up. What is that? And it's only in that frame.
1: Is it Michael's shoulder or no. elbow or something? No. He's Michael, not there yet. Michael
0: is standing here. See his eye line? This is here. Michael's right here. I don't know. It's a brown orb, everyone. It's a brown orb. And I'm perplexed. Okay. We've Sorry.
1: presented a mystery. With no solution. I need, no,
0: that's, that's part of my superpower. I'll notice things. I won't give you answers. We have to talk about what happens at 9 minutes 48 seconds. We what have happens? to. What happens? We learned that Michael and Dwight spent New Year's Eve oh. together. <laughs> yes. And that they watch. Oh, they rented. That even dates the show. Yes. They rented Armageddon.
1: Yes, and that Dwight cried at the end. Yes. Oh, and I actually But it was because <laughs> why did Dwight at the end? It's
0: such brilliant writing.
1: It's because it wasn't just the movie it was that it began to snow. Yes,
0: it began to snow. At precisely midnight. And it was like the perfect moment. I actually saw Armageddon with my dad cuz my dad's a drilling engineer. And so he was like, oh, this, you know, has drilling engineers in it. And we went and saw it and all like throughout the movie, anytime it was anything drilling related, my dad was like, nope, that's not how you do it. Never happened. That's not, <laughs> nope, not up to code. That never happened. I was like, okay, dad. <laughs> but I, I went down the rabbit hole last night, like I do sometimes. Like I went looking for the Joe Schmo show. I looked up Armageddon last night and I found a few different synopsises yeah. of what the movie was about. And it's, it's too good. To not read Jenna, it's okay. so it's so classic, 1998, Michael Bay. Are you ready? I'm ready. When an asteroid the size of Texas <laughs> threatens to collide with Earth in under a month, by the way, NASA honcho Dan Truman, played by Billy Bob Thornton, determines the only way to stop it is to drill its surface and detonate a nuclear bomb inside the asteroid. This leads him to renowned driller. Harry Stamper, played by Bruce Willis, who agrees to helm the dangerous space mission, provided he can bring along his own ragtag crew. Among them is Cocksure A.J., played by Ben Affleck, who Harry thinks isn't good enough for his daughter, Liv Tyler, until the mission proves otherwise. Mm.
1: Wow. I mean, wow! come on. So your dad was Bruce Willis,
0: my dad was Bruce Willis, the driller mm-hmm.
1: the drilling expert, yeah, and he felt that everything Bruce Willis's character yeah. had to say was inaccurate, yeah,
0: I would say the two movies my dad got really mouthy about were Armageddon and Twister. <laughs> Twister the tornado movie. Yeah, because we live in Tornado Alley and like they were like driving up on this tornado and like a truck flies in the air, like a giant semi truck flies in the air. Cows are flying in the air. And and the guy goes, (laughs) I I think it's Bill Paxson, goes, We've got some debris. And my dad goes, Debris my ass. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. We have to discuss the fact that Pam wants French onion chips.
1: I love French onion chips.
0: Gross. Was that? What? I have a question for you. Was that your personal pick or did Pam? Was that scripted? I don't know,
1: but I feel like it could have been my personal pick because a lot of times. If you have to eat something, they ask you. They do. They ask you if you have any food allergies. The props person will call you at home and say, yeah. We're doing a dinner scene. Is there anything you can't eat?
0: Yeah, I feel like Phil Shea would have been like, Jenna, Uh, What bag of chips would you want in case you have to open them up and eat them? Yeah. So you said French onion chips. Yeah. This means you wouldn't have been flirting with anyone the rest of the day because your breath would be disgusting.
1: Well, that's a good point. I didn't really think of that. Mm -hmm. I also like a barbecue chip.
0: I love a barbecue chip.
1: Can I tell you a little bit of information about the chips? Yeah. Okay. They are hers chips. H-E-R-R-S. And this is a local Pennsylvania company, the HERS chip. I'm flipping my papers because I was going to talk about this later.
0: Maybe you should have written it on a note card. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Look how easy it is for me to see my information. A little bit of Angela sass, everyone. Angela, All
1: right, here it is. I found it. Okay. The HERS chips are also what we put in our vending machine. mm mm-hmm. So you can spy them in there. And I just think it's cool that we used local stuff to fill out the world. And it's kind of a cool story, the story of Hurst chips. I went down a rabbit hole, Angela. Well, listen,
0: if I just read you the synopsis of Armageddon, you better tell me about hers. Guys, James Hur broke with his
1: family's history of chicken farming. Mm. And in 1946, he bought a potato chip company. He was only 21 years old and he bought it for $1,750. Yeah. Wow. And now it's a huge, successful company. And you can even go there and tour it. You would love that. You can tour the facility. You love a factory tour. You know I love a factory tour. Angela, we've been invited to tour the the SAS factory in San
0: Antonio. They said they would send us some shoes. I want them. I know. I want some SAS I'm really excited about that. And then, I mean, listen, if we're talking... Factory tours, Jenna, I don't even know how to tell you this. You're going to be so jealous. But next week, I am going to the Tough Shed Factory.
1: For your, that's what she said? That's what she said.
0: I'm going to the Tough Shed Factory. I'm so excited.
1: You guys, this is a weird thing that happens to us. I went and bought some tile. I needed Mm -hmm. some tile because I was doing a, a, a renovation outside. And I went to this tile showroom. It's called Arto Tile in Los Angeles and they geeked out and they recognized me and they gave me a factory tour. This is a really cool perk. Yes. (laughs) If you like to see how things are made.
0: I love to see how things are made. I I do I loved that show. How it's made. How it's made. It's so good. I know. And so I've gone on quite a
1: few factory tours yeah. as a result
0: of my fame you, on The Office. You have. This is my first factory <laughs> tour. Uh, Tough Shed's my first one, and I'm I'm very excited, Jenna. All
1: right. I wish I could go with you. So something I have to talk about, Angela, before we go to break is the scene at Michael and Jim's desk when Michael talks about being in The Damn Rascals. Yeah. His street gang. Um, This is the same scene where they talk about Armageddon. Yeah. But when Dwight punches Michael in the stomach, Mm -hmm. he does the double punch, and Steve gets hit, and he's like, (laughs) that was John's weak spot. Yeah. John would laugh so, so hard, and I think that's why in that scene, there is not a single shot of John's face if you watch it after he punches Michael in the stomach, he uh you never see John's face because yes, he couldn't get through he that. He couldn't get
0: through that. I He I, loved
1: whenever Steve couldn't
0: get a word out. Yeah, especially in pain. Like yeah, there's a scene later we'll talk about, but you know, uh Kevin sits on Michael's lap when he's Santa. <laughs> oh, yes. And Steve let out like a, like a painful moan, and I didn't think John was going to be able to get back from that. So this
1: reminds me of that bit that Steve did on the Dana Carvey show, The Nauseous Waiter.
0: It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. You guys have to look it
1: up. Steve did it for us one time when we were in the conference room together, and I- this is—John couldn't—
0: Handle I was. It. I, I thought was John crying. was going to die. I thought John was going to die, but we were we were weeping. We were you know when you start laughing where you, all you do is shake and make no noise. Yes, because Steve would do this thing. But, so the waiter, he's a waiter, but food makes him nauseous. So he would walk up to a table and have <laughs> to give the specials of the day. So he'd be like, "So ask me, Jenna. What are the specials of uh, the day?
1: What are the specials of the day?"
0: Um. Well, we have bra, bra, broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> and like he would like start like, start to puke as he listed off the specials. Yes,
1: he'd be like, "We have a delicious um, chicken with a cream sauce, <laughs> Herb like, sauce. Uh, cream sorry, cream sauce." It was so hilarious. It's so good. We are not doing it justice. We are not doing justice oh, to it at all. Oh my gosh! If Steve ever comes on our podcast, do you think
0: he would do that? Yes. Oh, I, I need think him. he would. I need him to do it.
1: Oh, Steve, come on and do nauseous waiter for us. Yes, it was, we would. We would make him do that. We loved that. <laughs> Angela, I think we should go to a break. I think we should. I would like to go eat some chips. Maybe maybe some sour cream and onion chips
0: from well, the basket. Clearly, you just want to be the gift that keeps on giving in here.
1: <laughs> yes. All right. We'll see you in a second.
0: Well, folks, you know I have a lot of family in Texas, and I just want you to know If you travel to Texas, there are vast landscapes, cultures, regions, destinations, activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. You can have fun in the sun. Texas has 350 miles of coastline. That's right. Or if you like more of a rugged vacation, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, and the food. Can we talk about the food? Tex-Mex. And barbecue. There's live music, art museums, cowboy experiences. Come on. Right now, Travel Texas offers a
1: one-of-the-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. So you go in there and you click your interests, and it'll say, here's where you
0: want to go in Texas. Mm-hmm. Visit TravelTexas.com slash own to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com
1: slash own. I'm loving Hungry Root.
0: Oh my gosh, yes, Jenna, we're loving Hungry Root too. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready to eat meals, kids' snacks and meals, and vitamins and supplements. Well, I took the quiz over on
1: Hungry Root and oh my gosh, they nailed it. One of the things that I really wanted was I wanted a salmon dish that was quick and easy. I said I wanted to cook food in less than 12 minutes. I was very ambitious. This was one of the choices. And they sent me a miso salmon that, oh my goodness, it blew my mind. And it was easy. It was maybe five ingredients.
0: So tasty. So fresh. I loved it. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Office Ladies listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you.
1: We're back from break. Angela? Mm -hmm. Yes? I have a time code. What? Yeah. I actually, I have three time codes. Jenna, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I almost I almost wrote them on note cards and brought in three note cards, but I didn't want to infringe on your note card thing.
0: <laughs> First of all, I don't own note cards. I encourage you. I love it. Use it. I mean, Jenna, you don't own a list. I hate to break it to you. I might come in someday with a list.
1: <laughs> I think well, that's fantastic. What is your time code? I, well, I was very excited. It's 11 minutes, 50 seconds, And it is this scene where Pam and Jim are walking to the kitchen. John is snapping his fingers like he's from West Side Story. Mm -hmm. And we got tons of questions about these finger snaps, which I think is why I felt compelled to write down the time code. The question was, was this scripted or improvised? I remember it as being improvised, and I remember being so tickled by it because I'm a huge movie musical fan. And I asked Lee Eisenberg, and he thinks it was also improvised. He does not remember writing that.
0: I think it was improvised because it's just like John kind of playing around. Because earlier earlier in the show, he had mentioned, oh, like a jet. And Michael, yeah. I think, thinks he's a jet. He's like, oh, An you're, actual, you're a jet? That was the name yeah. of your
1: actual gang. Yeah.
0: So I think John is just playing off of that reference.
1: It was so fun. So then they go into the kitchen, and I have to say – This scene in the kitchen between Michael and Dwight when they face off might be one of my favorite scenes from the entire second season of The Office. In the kitchen, John and I almost started laughing about a million times. And if you notice, if you look at Mindy, she is constantly turning her back Mm -hmm. to the scene and looking into the annex.
0: I could see you and John almost break. When I watched this, knowing you guys, I was like, oh, they were about to lose it.
1: But seriously, watch Mindy through this because okay. she can, she cannot face the scene. It's amazing.
0: Well, when when <laughs> Rain like grabs her and is like, all right, <laughs> yes. now from behind, she's like, wait, what? It, amazing. I don't know how she got through that.
1: And there's all these great things in this. This is the misuse of common phrases like catch 22.
0: Tit for tit. That's your favorite. My favorite. It's, this is the second time he has said it. Tit, tit for tit. tit.
1: Also- Two hits, me punching you and you hitting the floor. (laughs) So good. It was just so good. This leads me into my second time code, Angela. Okay. 13 minutes, 27 seconds.
0: Well, I have one at 1325. I All right, if what's it's like, yours? Let's well, see. Well, this is at 1325, you see who actually goes to the dojo. Cause you see everyone pile into the elevator. Yeah. And it is Phyllis, Pam, Meredith, Oscar, Creed, Kevin, Jim, Michael, and Dwight. And who does not go to the dojo? Angela, Stanley, Toby, Kelly, and Ryan.
1: Is that true? Mm-hmm. So you did not go to did you not film that day when we I went? had
0: the day off.
1: Oh my god. Gosh. Yeah, it was
0: decadent. It oh, was decadent. my
1: goodness. So when I talk about being at the dojo, you're going to hear what you missed out on. Yeah,
0: I have no idea. And, you know, the thinking was that Angela and Stanley would not participate in this. That This is like shenanigans. And they are literally there to do work and clock in and clock out. Yes. And so... Angela and Stanley are really two of the the big bah humbugs of the office. Toby and Kelly wouldn't go, or Ryan, because as you know and I know, they were writers, and they needed to be in the writer's room, and this was an opportunity for them to get some work done. <laughs> yes,
1: it's so true. Well, when we all pile in the elevator, I don't know why I'm so tickled by it, but at 13 minutes and 27 seconds, just watch Kevin's face as the elevator doors close. Okay. It just makes me laugh. All right. He's got this little mischievous look on his face. Like, he's very excited to see what's going to happen. Totally like a little kid who got to leave school. Oh, that's so cute. I love it. All right. Well, Angela, I'm going to tell you some stuff. The day that we shot at the dojo... Mm-hmm. It was really hot.
0: I was going to say, were you guys all hot and sweaty?
1: Yes. And the air conditioning in our trailers wasn't working. Oh. <laughs> so remember on the Dundies when they had ants? This time they had no air conditioning and they were, they're metal. So it was kind of like changing your clothes in a sauna. And we were just super sweaty, all of us, and gross and I I had to wear a sweater yeah because we'd established my beige sweater earlier in the office and I remember thinking, "Oh my god, I am so sweaty and stinky and John has to pick me up." This is this is a thing that I think people don't think about You know, anytime I would have a scene where I would have to whisper at someone or you'd have to kiss, I would brush my teeth like three times and chew gum and eat a mint Mm -hmm. before. And anytime when you have to be close to someone, I would be
0: very aware of my potential body odor. Yeah. At least our show wasn't a show with a bunch of close talkers. Because, like, you watch an episode of, like, The Sopranos. They get in each other's faces. They're like, listen here. And they're, like, right (laughs) up to each other's face. Like, at least we didn't have that. That's true. But when I watch those scenes, because we're actors and we know, I think, like, oh, my God, there's no way they don't know (laughs) what they had for lunch. Because that is some close talking.
1: Well, when Jim lifts Pam up at the dojo... At
0: 14 minutes, 11 seconds.
1: We got a lot of questions about this scene. I have questions, so go. Well, in Office Olympics, Angela has her bit about Pam Pong. Yes. And that's kind of the first time that Pam is made aware that someone else is aware. People are noticing. Yes. And now, in this scene, Meredith clocks the interaction between Pam and Jim and that is what freaks out Pam.
0: Also your shirt came up and you could see your belly. Now I remember as your friend, yeah, that week you saying to me, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, people are going to see my belly." Because it said, you know, it picks up and your shirt kind of comes up and you were nervous about it. Yeah.
1: That was all. That was. So that was a fan question. Anthony asked, was it meant for your shirt to pull up when Jim lifted you or did it happen on accident and you went with it? It was in the script that my shirt would come up a little bit. And that was all to make it even more of a vulnerable thing for Pam, Mm -hmm. that she was literally exposed.
0: Yeah. Something that you were really embarrassed about.
1: Yes. And wow, I wish my stomach looked like that today. I watched that <laughs> I knew, scene. I, I was you like, were. why was I not wearing midriff tops every day when I looked like that?
0: <laughs> I know. I knew you were going to say that because, I, I mean, listen, we've we have had babies. And everything <laughs> changes after that. And you're, I mean, you look phenomenal today, Jenna. You look phenomenal then. But I know, I remember our bellies before babies. I remember
1: Well, I am kind of glad that it was scripted that you see my belly because I've got it on film now that at (laughs) one time in my life, I had a cute little belly and belly button. So (laughs) thank you, Jean and Lee, for that. At 13 minutes, 56 seconds, that's my third time code, Angela. There is a poster in the background of this interaction between Jim and Pam. So we're all watching Jim and Pam. But in the background, there is a poster on the wall. And it is one of my favorite things. It was like a favorite thing of all of us when we got to the dojo. This was a set decoration poster that Jean and Lee wrote that set decoration had printed and put on the wall. It is the 10 rules of karate. Okay. All right. According to this dojo. And I'm going to read them to you. Okay. They're amazing. Number one, obey your parents. Okay. Number two, no junk food. Number three, do your homework. Number four, keep your room clean. (laughs) Number five, maintain an indomitable spirit. Number six, don't fight with your siblings. Seven, practice, practice, practice. Eight, treat others the way you would like to be treated. Nine, be loyal to your country. And 10, have fun. (laughs) So Lee told me he still has this poster. He asked to have it. He said they spent way too long I was writing these. Say, rules. I
0: bet I bet they spent like hours like just <laughs> they did. like cracking themselves up. It's amazing to me because
1: I feel like it is this little detail that really hammers home that Dwight takes classes in a studio meant for children. Children, do your these,
0: homework. These
1: are kid based rules. Yeah. And of course you see that. You see that he's in a class with a bunch of 11 year olds, but I just think that is brilliant. Brilliant writing that poster.
0: Okay, so that was their version of the rules of karate, right? There's this thread on Reddit where people go back and forth. They were like, but Dwight says karate, and then there's taekwondo this, and there's this and this. So a little bit that the martial arts didn't quite line up in that dojo.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. I mean, Dwight is not maybe
0: studying
1: a pure form of any one martial art.
0: Right, I have to talk about the fact that at 14 minutes, 11 seconds, I think that Pam is sending Jim mixed signals. Of course she and is. And I totally judged her a little bit. I know. Because she was being really flirty. Yeah. And then when Meredith noticed, it wasn't until Meredith noticed- That's right. That then she like pushed Jim away. And then the look- On John's face, he does such a fantastic job of looking wounded and confused and not really. He was so happy, but now he's like, now what happened? Um, He did such a great job because Pam is sending him mixed signals. She
1: really is. But I mean, that's complicated, unrequited love for you. I know. What are you going to do? She's conflicted.
0: She's conflicted.
1: When Michael pins down Dwight at the dojo and is winning the fight, Our director of photography, Randall Einhorn, who used to work on Survivor, Mm -hmm. so I want to say literally nothing surprises this man. He is a total pro. He never broke. He lost it. (laughs) He lost it. He was laughing so hard that he had to take the camera off his shoulder and hold it out with his arm so that it wouldn't shake. He had tears like streaming down his face. Now It's the hardest I've ever seen him laugh.
0: Yeah, that's saying something because he was like a statue. Him and Oscar Nunez never break. Yeah. I have a question for you. Lance, when I was speaking to him, said to his knowledge, the fight was not choreographed and that he really believed that the stuff that Michael that Steve was doing to reign as Dwight, like holding him down and trying to spit on him and all of that, that that Steve improvised that. I asked Lee about that.
1: His memory is that they did bring in a stunt coordinator to work with them on set one day during a break.
0: Yeah, so Lance wouldn't have been there for that.
1: That's right, and so... But that
0: person did not go to the dojo. Did not go to the dojo. The day that you actually did it, they were not present. And so on
1: the day, he said they just, like, Steve and Rain and Ken Quapis just came up with a bunch of stuff, like the typewriter stuff. Mm -hmm. And just, he said, he doesn't remember how many takes they did, but it was a lot. But he said it was also really hot, and those guys got really tired doing all the fake fighting. You can
0: tell because they're winded when they're speaking to each other.
1: (laughs) They are. It's true. Did you clock Phyllis's disposable camera
0: in the scene where she's taking pictures and it's a
1: disposable camera? Don't you wish
0: we had those pictures? Who has those?
1: Someone must. Yeah. Phil Shea? Phil Shea. I don't know. All right. So after this humiliating defeat, we go back to the office and we see a scene from Michael's office that goes down into the parking lot. And he tries to call Ryan on his cell phone. That was a different office than the usual Michael's
0: office. You totally, like, it's completely different. Yes. So we had
1: two Michael's offices. We had one Michael's office that was on our set, Mm -hmm. and it had just like a scrim backdrop behind the window that was kind of blurry. And it was just like an old-fashioned fake out-the-window kind of thing. Yes. But whenever we had to shoot a scene where Michael was actually looking out of his window into the parking lot, we would move over to the writer's offices.
0: And they literally would shoot in a writer's office.
1: Yes. And I was trying to remember, was it Mike Schur's office or Paul Lieberstein's office? They, One of the two of them worked in... Michael's office and right. it was loosely decorated as Michael's office and then when it was time to shoot they would get kicked out of their office mm-hmm. and set dressing would come in and zhuzh it up hmm and then they would have to use that to shoot, and they they couldn't write in their office that day.
0: But the walls are like kind of a green color. Yes, that, that, was, that was always don't true. Match, <laughs> that don't match. Like I was like, guys, the walls are not the same. Well, it's funny too because
1: all the other writers could decorate their offices.
0: Oh, Mindy's office was so decorated. Oh, for
1: sure, of course, yeah, of course. But you could have like personal photos up mm-hmm. and posters on the wall, but.
0: They I couldn't do like it. I feel like it was Paul's. I think it was Paul's as well. Because I remember that's it, my memory. If it wasn't Paul's, then Paul just really didn't make a lot of effort to decorate. <laughs> One I of remember, the two. I remember his office being pretty bare.
1: So next up, Michael tells the rest of us to sign the forms. He's given up.
0: For sure. At the end of the show, the people who actually signed the reports are Toby, Stanley, Angela, and Pam. And we were
1: all grouped together at the reception desk, and I loved shooting that scene because everyone else had gone home for the day. Except for Dwight. That's right. Who was at his desk. But most of the office was gone, and... That group of us, we were very rarely in little scenes together, Mm -hmm. just us. And I have very fond memories of shooting that.
0: Me too. Me too.
1: That was really, really fun.
0: I have one thing that is a time code that was right before the end there. At 17 minutes, 57 seconds, people are packing up for the day. Guess who's sitting across from Meredith? Who? Ryan. Yeah, that was his desk. But where was Creed? Creed didn't really have a desk yet. I I don't know. When does Creed take over Ryan's desk? And when does Ryan move back to the annex?
1: These are good questions. I know. Did Ryan, well, eventually, remember, we turned that closet in the hallway into Ryan's office, I feel like. Yeah,
0: for a little bit.
1: That desk was kind of the catch-all, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen Devin there, I've yeah. seen Ryan there, I've seen Creed there. When does it become Creed's, Creed's desk? desk?
0: Also in this episode at the end when people are filing out, we see an appearance of Luann.
1: Oh, there's Luann. Luann. Luann was one of our stand-in/extras who would
0: normally sit in the annex and yes. people always say who is that. So Luann walks by.
1: That's right. I feel like the two things I want to tell you guys we're going to be dedicated to tracking in this rewatch is Mindy's hair Mm -hmm. and when does Creed get his desk. (laughs) Okay? So just know that.
0: Someone out there probably already knows. They're going to write in and say, you guys, Creed sits there in episode. Tell us.
1: Tell us. Solve this mystery. Okay. Michael takes Dwight into the conference room here at the end, and he says he's been testing him all day, and he promotes Dwight to assistant regional manager. Right. He gets no announcement, no raise, and no new office, but Dwight is so happy. He's so happy. He whites out to the on all of his business cards.
0: It's it's so pure and sweet. I know. It's so sweet. Although Michael's like, it's not really a real thing, but it doesn't really
1: matter. Dwight isn't hearing <laughs> Dwight th- that part. Care. He doesn't, doesn't hear care. any words except assistant regional manager. And then this leads us to the famous Michael talking headline. Would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. I have seen that stitched on pillows. I have seen that on shirts. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Good writers. Such good writing. And that was the fight. That was the fight. So next week, we will be back with the client. The client. This is maybe my favorite season two episode. Although right. there's also the injury. I love the injury.
0: You but love the injury, I Jenna. Know. You wore a shirt. Like, that you've bought online of the injury. I bought
1: a shirt from Etsy yeah. of a grilled foot. Yeah, that you would wear. For a long
0: time. A, you would wear it a lot. It was like one of your favorite Jeez, shirts. did it bother you?
1: It, it did Did I wear it too often? No,
0: it didn't. But it just made me laugh. There was a day that you showed up in your shirt with the grilled foot. And I had a shirt that was like an inside joke on our show of Creed as an action figure in Hong Kong.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And we both we
1: realized we were, we're maybe like, too big a fans?
0: We were like, should we? What are we doing? We're just walking around in shirts from our show. So
1: next week, we will be talking about not the injury, but the client. We'll see you then. See you then. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our producer is Cody Fisher. Our sound
0: engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton.
1: For ad-free versions of the show and our bonus episodes, Candy Bag, go to
0: StitcherPremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE.
1: Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we all carry around different stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up, and it can start to affect us.
1: Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies today
0: to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot OfficeLadies.